Our bodies are amazing machines, but for a large part, machine really is the word for it. Our heart pumps the blood around, our lungs expand and contract, pulling in and pushing out air. Our bones give us structure, moved by our muscles. But one of the biggest mysteries of our bodies concerns one of the most vital parts, our brains, or precisely our minds. With mental health at the front of, well, mind than ever, our curiosity about how our minds work and how to keep them healthy is running high. You could say it's a perfect time to bring out a book on the topic, which is exactly what our next guests have done. The book is called Minding Your Mind and its authors are James O'Loughlin and Professor Ian Hickey. Welcome to both of you. Hi, thanks. James, Hi. <laughs> the book is based on your podcast of the same name. Why are we so curious about how our minds work? Yeah, this whole project has been a great education for me. Ian knows everything about the mind but is still curious. But for me, going through this with him was a great education. And I don't know, I've never been so interested in my knee. Like I'm kind of interested in my knee because it's a pretty amazing bit of uh, engineering, but I'm much more interested in why I feel anxious sometimes when something little happens and then something big happens and I don't feel anxious at all, why some days I feel great and I'm I'm up and at and I feel really clever and productive and other days I feel sluggish. And I'm really interested in what I can do to control that. I think often with mental health, we've just thought the world's bad today rather than my mental health isn't that great today and actually there are things I can do to, to, to improve it. I, it's not all outside of my control. Some of that is within my control. Sometimes when you start paying attention to the way your mind works, you just realise how not in control you are or you feel like you are anyway. Uh, James, the, the questions in the podcast and the book, are they only your questions or are they ones that people have submitted as well? Um, yeah, we've certainly got lots of um, lots of input from uh, from listeners who've sent in lots of questions and even suggested some really good topics, and from kind of family and friends. I mean, whenever we're doing a topic, and I know Ian does this too. Well, I kind of you know I just throw it to people. We're doing something on anger today. What do you want to know about being angry? Do you ever get angry? Why do you get angry? Do you always regret it like I do? All that sort of stuff. So just I guess talking to people. And, and going out and thinking, okay, we're, we're, ta- we're tackling this subject at the moment. What can, I, what can I harvest from, you know, my own social connections about the things that we don't know? And, we, and, you know, do some research as well, of course, although most of the entire research of mental health seems to be in Ian's mind. <laughs> well, we better ask Ian some questions then. In one of the topics you canvas in the book is this sense that I just, I am the way I am and there's sort of nothing you can do about it. But actually, our minds are malleable. To what extent? More and more, I think, is the answer to that, Tegan. I mean, not completely. You can't completely be someone else in terms of the way you think, the way you respond. But people don't stop and dwell enough. People are not like James. They don't actually stop and think about, what is that thing? How am I responding? What's my emotionality? Have I always been like that? Could I be different? In what ways could I change? So I think what James demonstrates is how much public interest there is in really trying to find out what we do know. I'm often saying what we don't know, but at least where the research is at and that it isn't simply just your brain, it's your brain and your body, it's your whole physiology. What do we know? What runs in families? What things like your body clock are important? How are emotions regulated? 
what's really going on and how much can you know that and then seek to change that in productive ways, you know, so that you're actually better functioning than you might otherwise think you could be. What sort of techniques do you use to change the way you are? Well, first is you have to be prepared to look at it and talk about it. Secondly, and take feedback from others, I might say, in terms of what they observe about those issues. No, thank you. No, thank you. I don't want feedback from other people. (laughs) Well, that's one of the most interesting things people say. No, I'm fine, thanks. Everyone else, I'm not irritable. I'm not angry. I'm not emotional. I don't have a short fuse. I don't have a problem. I don't get stuck on things. I'm not obsessional. So actually, one of the things we dwell on a lot is the interaction with others, how we don't just function as individuals. We function as social groups, how important that actually is. And then secondly, how important that is to change in what we do in being able to kind of usefully look at feedback, but then use strategies in terms of anxiety reduction, in terms of cognitive strategies, in terms of the ways that you regulate your sleep-wake cycle, in terms of what you do about diet, exercise, other factors, and look at what is changeable, but also over what time frames, you know, what do you need to really do over longer periods And really, I think specifically, work out what works for you. I mean, one of the problems with medical research in general is talking averages. Oh, well, on average, eat less or exercise more or sleep better or be less anxious. But how to do that for you and being prepared to undertake that longer-term experimentation and hopefully improvement in some of our emotional and behavioural characteristics. Yeah, James, we heard Ian just say there about it's not just an individual pursuit, it's a collective thing when we are improving or maybe when our mental health is suffering. Mm. Was that something that came as a surprise to you? Uh, Not really because, I mean, I look around my family and we're all completely different. I look around my friends and there's a certain, the reason we're friends is that we share a certain sensibility, but we all have different problems and we all have different personalities. And and I guess what we try and do in the book is when we're sharing strategies, the continual emphasis is here are seven strategies it's almost certain not all of them will work for you. For example, if you're anxious or if you're trying to control your temper or whatever, they probably won't all work with you, but some of them probably will. So you go through, anxiety is a great example. Um, when, When I get anxious, the idea of arguing back at thoughts. You know, I could get attacked by a shark. No, there's not many sharks. Um, they probably won't attack me. That all just makes me more anxious. But for some people, that works really, really well. For me, the only thing that works when I'm anxious is to just not engage with the thought. You might get eaten by a shark when you're swimming. I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to think about something else. That works for me. The other one, the other one doesn't. Other people are the opposite. Ian, we've only got a minute left, but just quickly, the final chapter of the book is called Seven Secrets to Happiness. Could you give us maybe just one or two spoilers? Oh, look, I like the last one. Act happy. (laughs) (laughs) Fake it till you make it. Well, yeah, actually doing a big emphasis in the book, Tegan, is doing things. You know, so being happy, being active. We can spend a huge amount of time talking about stuff that we never do. So I actually think one of the big uh, take-home messages in this book is go out, try stuff, including being happy. James, do you have a favourite technique? Yeah, having purposeful activity is a really great thing for happiness. And if you're lucky, it's your job, but it could be something else. It could be gardening, cooking, taking care of your family, painting, writing, something that you can get lost in that you'll probably never master, but you want to keep trying, something Mm. that you get excited about, having one of those. So many good tips. Ian, James, thanks so much for joining us. Great pleasure. Thank you. 
Professor Ian Hickey is co-director of health and policy at the University of Sydney's Brain and Mind Centre. James O'Loughlin is an author, television and radio host and sometime colleague of ours here at the ABC. Minding Your Mind is published by Penguin Books. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.